You do not have to spend crazy in order to enjoy good bourbon. Let me say it again. For all the pretentious websites that you've gone to that have told you you have to spend a lot of money or all those friends you have who think they know bourbon, trust me when I say they might. But the idea that you have to spend a lot to get good is nonsense. And Evan Williams is going to prove it. Maybe. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, and smoke the fine cigars. I'm Tony Katz. That's America's favorite amateur drinker. Fingers Malloy right there. And from the Heaven Hill people, these, these are the larceny people that you know and love, Fingers Malloy. Mm-hmm. This is the Evan Williams Single Barrel Vintage. Now, it's a unique mash bill, uh, 78% corn, 12% rye, 10% malted barley. It's not unique that it has that grouping, right? It's just I like it when I'm able to clearly understand the mash bill so I can get an idea of when I get high corn, what do I get? Or when I get high rye, what do I get? To be a bourbon, it's simple. It has to be at least 51% corn. That juice has to go into a first-use American charred oak barrel and can only be diluted with water and that's to bring down the proof it can have nothing else that messes with it this is 86.6 proof we're talking super easy that is 43.3 percent alcohol by volume but it's seven years and ten months everything is seven to eight years in the barrel and at that moment you're like okay what did that wood provide? This is one of those things where you ask yourself, what did the, t- the lumber, what did the timber actually bring to the juice? Looking at it here, we have it in our Glencairn glass. It's a little lighter than some of the other bourbons uh, we deal with. This is more of a pale golden uh, than, than anything else right there. And on the viscosity, meaning, like, does it stick to the side of the glass? The answer is no. <laughs> no, it does not, fingers boy. <laughs> At all. Well, the one thing that jumps out right away, because this is different than what a lot of people are used to seeing with Evan Williams. You know, the Evan Williams, just the Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Right. That's a lot of times what you'll see is what a bar would use as like a rail whiskey or well whiskey. It's it's not the most expensive whiskey in the world, maybe $14, $15 a bottle. This is definitely a step up. Uh, with the, the single barrel, so I don't want people to automatically dismiss it because they hear Evan Williams. The problem is they automatically dismiss the words Evan Williams, and everything about that is based on a marketing nonsense that you don't have to be a part of, right? I am not saying that certain brands don't create really good bourbon. They do a really good whiskey. Of course they do, but the idea that that we all have to buy into it and oh you can't drink that or you can't have that in your liquor cabinet none of that's real we are taking a look at a society that's you've got more jobless claims going on you've got people in furloughs you've got economic issues the stock market can be going through the roof but that's not you know wall street is not midwest main street and i don't want to constantly key into the the Big time, big price things, value means a lot to us, and it's about time we broke through stereotypes and broke through marketing types and got into what this is. This nose, by the way, it hits me a little strong for something that's just this this 86, 87 uh, proof right here, but it does have a lovely bit of sweetness, a little bit of, um, I mean, you're usually going to find uh, that caramel uh, on there, on the nose. I mean, that's pretty much a, a standard. Um, but uh, caramel, a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of sweet notes. And, okay, I know the, the, the corn in this and the mash bill's a little high, and maybe because of that, um, 
it's clouding my my review, but I I am getting a little corn in this. <laughs> that's no, you. That's it's not you. But what? Because like what? I don't know what corn would be. Is that toasted? Is that what you're getting? Because creamed the, corn. No, it's not <laughs> creamed corn. No, I. This is one of the rare ones where I actually get the oak. I pick up the wood, right? That's what's working it uh, for me. Are, are you ready to do this? Yeah, it, at, like the ethanol that you talk about. The, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm getting that, and, and, and there's definitely sweetness for me. I'm not getting the oak. Right. I'm, I mean, this is not overly complex on the nose at all. There's not a multiplicity of things happening. I can pick up each of these scents, and they're, they're, they're easy. They're easy and simple. You ready to do? Absolutely. You ready to, we do it neat. And then we bring it to a cube, or, or uh, we add a chip or just a little bit of water. Fingers is taking his first sip and doing the, uh, the Kentucky Chew, as they call Fingers, are you all right? Okay. Fingers? What happened? Wow. It, it is on, on, the, on the tongue. There is definitely a spice, a sting, and... The alcohol taste that comes from this, I would expect this to be much higher proof than just 86. You, you, let's see what you Do think. Do I go? As, Here yeah, I go. As he, I'm taking a sip. It's the Kentucky Chew. He's doing the Chattanooga Chomp. It is not what it's called. But I'm very curious to see what you think. Okay. There is no sting in the tip of the tongue. A little bit of sting to the side tongue. Nothing got going down the throat. I don't even feel a heat in 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 the chest. Just a very faint kind of heat. Um, it went down very very simple, very easy. There, w- I want to do another sip because there okay. wasn't much. There wasn't much there. Well, see, to me, <clears throat> I got a lot of spice on the tongue and a little bit of a sting, but not a whole heck of a lot. And there was no burn uh, anywhere. I will along tell the way. you, there's a there's a, actually a lovely bit of sweet cinnamon that exists in in in, in the exhale that kind of exists on the palate afterwards. This is a very one-note bourbon, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially at a $27 price point, right? Yeah. So this is something that you can mix with. This is something you can play with. It's just there if you're going to have a group of people and you're not worried about you know, pretense or anything else. And this is a fine bourbon if you're just going to have yourself a bourbon you know, a- a- after work. Is this in my liquor cabinet? No, because there's a flavor profile here that I understand, and it isn't mine. And I think that's the way it is. It actually is a little bigger on the nose than it is on the palate. But I want to move it to a cube, and I want to see how it works on an ice chip And when you open this up. And does it somehow bring out some other flavors? When I say it's single note, that is not saying, oh, you can't drink this stuff. There is nothing about the Evan Williams vintage that you would say is swill. That's no. not happening. This is the single barrel vintage that we're doing. It's just that it's very singular in its approach. Um, and the, the, the only interesting part or, or, or flavorful part for me is that there's a little bit of this cinnamon sweet that remains on the back of, of the tongue here. Now, I moved it to a cube uh, and actually an ice chip just to kind of 
open it up a little bit, get a little water in there, get a little chill in there. You put some cold water on it. No, I put a nice chip in it, too. And I got to say, it's still very medicinal to me. There's that ethanol kind of uh, flavor with a little bit of spice sting. Um, I wouldn't shy away from this if somebody handed it to me. Right. uh, But I wouldn't I don't think I would seek it out at a liquor store. You know, it's it's funny. You got to try things to try things. That's the point. Don't let names fool you. Only you know what you like. Other people don't. They can give you ideas and reviews and suggestions like we do. Evan Hill, this is the single... Evan Williams, the single barrel vintage. Check it out for yourself. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. We love lists here at Eat, Drink, Smoke. We just did one last week, the top 20 bourbons of 2020. Now, this isn't really a list, but Yahoo declared one item to be the worst fast food item of 2020 and we're going to taste it right now welcome back to eat drink smoke i'm fingers malloy he is tony katz tony you caught you caught a lot of grief Holy last crap. week oh i did oh i did because i had the mcrib with a knife and fork i'm that guy i'm yeah. not proud yeah so we and we had the video of you <laughs> eating the mcrib on the facebook page facebook.com is it slash eat drink smoke it is facebook.com slash eat drink smoke so we tried what we both absolutely loved, the McRib. Love the McRib. This is supposed to be, this according to Yahoo, the worst fast food item. Is it worse at, in terms of health or is it worse in terms of taste? This is their headline, the number one worst new fast food menu item of 2020, and it has to be based on health. Are you ready for the nutritional information on this burger it is the pretzel bacon pub triple cheeseburger from wendy's it pretzel pretzel bacon pub triple cheeseburger so it's a triple it's a it's a, it's a triple yeah okay it's a mess of meat and cheese right now and there's there's onion straws on it there's a ton of bacon uh lots of cheese rabbi approves exactly Tony, it comes in at a whopping 1,520 calories. Okay. 106 grams of fat, 45 grams of saturated fat, 4 grams of trans fat, 1,910 milligrams of sodium. That's it? Right? Give me two. Only 53 grams of carbs, though, Tony. Only. Because the pretzel bun is so small compared to the rest of the behemoth that this thing is. At this time around, you know, last week with the McRib, unfortunately, uh, we had to eat it after we had it for about 45 minutes. So it wasn't, it, it was pretty much room temperature. It was still perfect. <laughs> it was still, still perfect. so totally perfect. Well, this burger, we, I mean, I just got out of the drive through. It's like he cooked it himself, everybody. So he has it in front of him, this triple pub nonsense Wendy's Let's Destroy America burger. Do we Are you have, ready? Uh, do, uh, before I take a bite, I you know, and, and Tony's videoing this right now. I'm sure it's going to be on the Facebook page. I'm going to take a napkin and just dab the bun. You're because, dabbing the bun because there is so much grease on the bun. That's not going to come. Uh, no, nah, I can't really yeah, see it. But uh, I'll trust you. My though. goodness! All right, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to dig right in. Ready oh, look goes. at oh, they, look at it was a sandwichologist. Look at the pickles piled up. I'm going to take this apart. That's terrible. Wait, 
The pickles aren't evenly distributed on the burger. <sighs> what has happened to society? No, 2020 pride. is just the worst. Am I right? Right. No pride in workmanship when it comes to bur- building okay. burgers. Get it on there and take a giant bite. Oh, here we go. This here is exciting. The Wendy's Triple Pub Pretzel Bacon Death Burger. Why is it we only review fast food? We can do good food, too. Well, fast food sometimes good food. All right. He's chewing. He's got little bits of a cheese in his hair. He's leaning over it like he doesn't want to lose a drop. He's thinking. He's reminiscing about his first love. He's wondering where the closest hospital is. Fingers, what's going through your head right now? Yahoo can suck a lemon. <laughs> that is fantastic. They're out of their mind. Health schmelt. Who needs a doctor when you have the doctor of flavor right here in the triple pub pretzel? It's the you pretzel. can't even say it. Oh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. The pretzel bacon pub triple cheeseburger. And by the way, if you want to make it a combo with fries, looking at 2,500 calories. Nothing. <laughs> Ain't nothing. Right there. All right, I'm going to do it now. Okay, you got I'm to. I'm going to do it now. And uh, and so, yeah, as tradition, because I don't eat the bread, I can't. I can't. I can, look, I, I know who I am in this world, and I am not ashamed. My name is Tony Katz, and I am still a man. I just can't do the bread. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking the bread off. Oh, they do, they do. They put the pickles on top. Yeah. They put the pickles on top like it's just an afterthought. That's... That's bigotry. Well, listen. This I'm not, doing that's it with not, a knife and fork. That's not bread, though. That's 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 a pretzel, Tony. You, you, I've seen you eat pretzels, I, it, it, and by me seeing you eating pretzels, I've never seen you eat a pretzel. That's correct. All right. First of all, it is a triple, right? Yeah. It's some good sized patties there. The cheese is melted throughout each and every layer. Um, I would have liked it if they put the uh, crispy onions in between the patties. I think that would have been a better use. Um, but they just lay that on top, like the bacon on top. They should really do that all in the middle, right? They should do it throughout. I'll get a little piece of bacon on here, which is crispy, and I got a little bit of of, of onion on there. I got to get that pub cheese on there, I got, too. I got the pub cheese. It's <laughs> cheap. Pub cheese. What, what kind of marketing are you buying into with pub cheese? That's, and I'll throw a pickle on there. That's high-quality um, Wisconsin pub cheese you're eating I there. Go, people of Wisconsin would punch me in the neck. <laughs> Those cheese heads are serious. It's it, right. it, it's so greasy. It's just sliding off. I know. The fork. I can't keep it all on the fork <laughs> at all. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Hmm. Hmm. All right. How much is that? How much is this burger right here? Eight bucks. Eight dollars. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, maybe. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not. The cheese is actually very good. It's got a nice sweetness to it. There's no real big sauce going on, so you're not overwhelmed. Um, again, they got to restack it, relayer it. That's fun. That's a fun burger. I wish. I just wish you could enjoy it with the pretzel bun. I would like to be able to somehow get some sleep tonight. <laughs> I don't like sleeping upright on a toilet. That's that isn't how I like to live anymore. So I don't do it at all. Um, this is so. This is about doing a little more than kitsch, though. I got to admit, I got to admit the bacon's actually very good on this. Oh, he just took another giant bite at Fingers Malloy. 
He's not even screwing around. The bacon's actually rather good uh, on this pretzel burger. I don't think it's $8 good, right? I think at $8, you're going to say, well, wait a second. Why don't I just go out for a burger? Um, that said, it's fun. But I, I, I wonder... I wonder if there are just some slight improvements this could make because there's so much meat going on with the triple that you're really doing some serious chewing. There's work involved. And I don't know if I want to do that much work to enjoy the burger. Well, you you can get this, of course, at Wendy's. You can get the the single or the double in the same sandwich. Oh, you can? Yes. But I, I went ahead and got the triple because Yahoo said this was the worst fast food item of 2020 and it's it's based prim- primarily on the on the, the the health factor i mean that the, the calories are through the roof but what's the part I, so the calories are through the roof what's the part that's really it's the sodium that gets me 1910 milligrams of sodium on the triple that seems brutal to me but this is this is good i don't know if it's eight dollars good and I just don't want to say anything wrong because Wendy's social media is vicious and will destroy us. Oh, my gosh. Fingers Malloy, thank you. Let's try, I, I, I guess, Burger King next week. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke. It is your cigar, bourbon, foodie, radio extravaganza. I'm Tony Katz. That's America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. The podcast, Apple Podcast, unless you're listening to the podcast, in which case, thank you, Apple Podcast. And you got Google Play, Amazon Music, Stitcher. We're in all the good spots. Checking out the Evan Williams Vintage, the single barrel vintage, 86.6 proof, $27 a bottle. This is This is simple. This is simple. It, 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 it's not going to leave you with strong impressions of, I must drink this every day. But it could be an everyday bourbon that you just have in the cabinet and you just pour yourself one. It's nice on, on the nose. Got a couple of beats. Very monotone on, on the palate. But fine. The whole idea is take yourself out of comfort zones and don't drink or not drink things because of a brand name. That's just a bad way to do things. Well, and for a lot of people, too, it can be an everyday bourbon because of the price point, right? I mean, right. we're looking at $27 for a bottle. I make actually, Tony, enjoying it more on the nose than I am drinking yeah. it. It had a couple more pieces on the nose with a bit of that caramel, a bit of that uh, v- vanilla. Um, but it did leave for me this, this kind of cinnamon sweet on, on, on the palate. When I was done, but that we're all different. That's what I got uh, from it. If you didn't, you didn't, man. It Don't is, fake it. Well, no, it's to me. It's it's just a strange blend of spice that I can't seem to put my finger on, and mm-hmm. then that ethanol alcohol flavor that we've talked about. But I'm, I'm still grappling with a, a good way to describe it. Uh, Has the Wendy's bacon pub pretzel, which you ate the whole thing. I, I, I didn't eat the bread. I had maybe a third of it. I wrapped up the rest and put it away. I, I know who I am. You I did eat the whole McRib. Yeah, you did eat the whole McRib. Uh, you are one of the most disciplined people I've ever met when it comes to food. How did I get the size? Uh, well, I know how I got this size. Right? And it was from doing what I did with the, <laughs> with the Wendy's burger. I inhaled that sucker in about four minutes. Yeah. And it was glorious. Uh, right now, I'm not feeling all that glorious, but 
eating that burger, and every time you take a bite, you can feel the grease shoot out the sides of the burger, and it's all over your face. You gotta have a you gotta have a, a bath towel with you while you eat the thing. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Let's get to news of the week. Speaking of restaurants, Tony, is that what, is that what we're doing? Well, I well, I thought we were trying to retire the. Oh, Tony. Oh, yeah. I can't. I can't do another coronavirus is evil story and ruin the restaurant business. Why? What do you want to talk about? The coronavirus is ruining the restaurant business. Son of a... It is, uh, according to a new report from the National Restaurant Association, 110,000 restaurants have been put out of business this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And it suggests that time is running out on thousands more. Yeah, so 10,000 in the last three months, 110,000 overall. I have two thoughts. First, that number is soft. That number is nothing compared to the next wave of closings. Uh, and and the people who were kind of hoping that Congress would get it together and have another stimulus bill and more of what they call PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, um, that, that's, I would love to see it. But it doesn't seem like it's coming. It seems like it's it's more political, more acrimonious than ever. And I can't tell people in good conscience, a conscience to, uh, to to prepare for that or get ready for that or, or even hope for that. Well, the thing is, too, is it, it feels like in a lot of ways it's too little too late. I mean, the, the second round could have come much sooner and saved a lot of these restaurants from going belly up. Uh, and also restaurants are dealing with governors and mayors flipping their policies on, on, on a dime and saying, okay, uh, you know, Monday, uh, we'll say on Wednesday, you can have outdoor dining. And then the next day, they'll roll around and say, oh, no, you, you can't right. have outdoor dining. And, and you're being like hyperbolic there, but you're, you're, you're right in what's happened. There have been restaurants, and we know, we know these people, at least in, in our world of Indianapolis, Indiana, and you know them where, where you are. Where, where you will have a restaurant preparing for the weekend and they'll make their orders and then they'll be told they can't have uh, a certain kind of dining or they have to cut by 50% or cut by 25% or they have to now have a curfew. Ohio has a curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. that they just extended. Well, when you place those orders for food or for beverage or whatever, that's perishable. It goes bad. You can't sell it. You're wasting it. There's no recouping that. It's incredibly, incredibly, Incredibly painful and and damaging uh, to, to watch and to witness. But when you go back to, I'm looking at the story that you had there about you know these these restaurants. So 110,000 since the beginning of the year, 10,000 in the past three months. They did a survey uh, of 6,000 restaurant operators, and this is where I think the story is. I think the headline doesn't hit it. 87% of full service restaurants saw a 36% drop. In sales, and eighty-three percent said the expect the winter months are expected to be worse, and that's why it's the tip of the iceberg. Those two numbers, and fifty-eight percent anticipate layoffs and furloughs. Those are the ones who'll be honest about it, right? What about the ones who don't anticipate it? And it, it makes total sense. I mean, it it's a struggle for a lot of people to get out in the winter months to to go out to eat anyway, and, and if you. You add the pandemic in with the with, with that on top of it, it just makes people say, "Oh, you know what? I'll I'll just stay in, and I'll maybe I'll have an app deliver me food if I'm going to splurge, or I'll, I'll just cook 
by the way, DoorDash went public this week and made those three guys billionaires. That was going to come in at like $50 to $60 a share. Best of luck to you if you could have gotten it at $50 or $60 a share. When it would, when it finally kind of opened up for the market, $180 a share. My goodness. Oh, oh it was huge, huge IBO. And then Airbnb, they went public, uh, you know, and they were going to be in that $60, 65 or was 50, 56 to $60 range. And then all of a sudden people were trading at 68 before people could get access to it. Well over $100. And that's, that's the one that surprises me because you look at DoorDash and you think, wow, this is probably a really good time for them to launch uh, an IPO. But then you look at Airbnb and, you know, we're talking about shutdowns. And like right now uh, it was announced Lake Tahoe, Tony, uh, which is a, a great vacation travel destination. Uh, we'll be banning vacation travel beginning uh, just this past Friday through the end of the year. So if you were going to say, hey, we'll take the family to Lake Tahoe, you're not taking the family to Lake Tahoe. Right. And it, I talk about a great place to go for New Year's and to ski and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right near Reno. Yeah. I And I... I like me some Reno, even though, uh, you know, I, I've never been to Reno, but I know they have casinos there. Tony. I've been to Reno. I, I have uh, I have done it all. Name the place. I've been there, baby. They call it the, what, the biggest, littlest city in America. The biggest little city <laughs> in, 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 in the world or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, this, is just, this is just more proof because what happens now in a town that says we close? What happens to all of those Bars, restaurants, coffee shops, this, the bakery. This is this is just more and more brutal. Next story. Well, just to kind of tag that. Oh, the, we're not uh, done? No, we're not, we're not done, done with, with the that. horror show? Okay. Uh, the thing is, we, we talked about this when they announced there were going to be uh, a lot of changes to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Right. And we wondered how much of uh, businesses, the percentage of the revenue that they have for the year is based on that. Christmas and New Year's Eve, that has to be a huge chunk, chunk of the travel revenue that people count on in Lake Tahoe. And you have to wonder when it's just abruptly taken away like that, if it'll. Oh, feed you think it's the- kind of thing where they wait all year for this holiday season, this travel season, this vacation, and now it's all gone? Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, see, see, now you're just making me feel terrible. Now you made me feel worse. I didn't want to feel worse. I wanted to get away from this. I wanted to get on. I, I swear to you, everybody, I, I feel bad that we constantly are hitting these stories, except they're so incredibly important to get an idea of what's going on and where some of these impacts are and the importance of taking care of your local business owners and reaching out to them and supporting local sponsors or sponsors on this very station. It's all really important. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So nobody wants to go back to the office. And if that happens, cities have to rethink everything. And it affects your local tavern and your local cigar lounge. Eat, drink, smoke. Great to be with you. Tony Katz, America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy, right there. So they did a a little bit of a a study, uh, the people over there at the Pew Research Center. And they found that one-third of those surveyed want the option to telework at least sometimes, but half like their remote arrangements 
and they would like for it to remain that way. Now, if I'm being asked the reason they like their remote arrangement, it's because that way no one can see them not working for four hours of their eight-hour day. <laughs> you want to talk about a great statistic and ask yourself this, no matter where you work, whether you're the boss, whether you're an employee, big company, small company, how many people have called in sick during the pandemic who didn't have coronavirus? And the answer is a resounding zero. Because who would call in sick when they're home? Right. Who would call in sick when they could start their day in their pajamas and not really get going until 1045? People have been milking it. And I'm not saying that I'm thinking poorly of the American people. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know it, I know it, we know it. Let's not buy into the garbage. Of course they've been milking it. Of course. If you are tied to your computer at work, but you have to worry if a boss walks behind you and sees you really looking at your cell phone and you're on Twitter or social media instead of doing what you should be doing. Right. The appeal of being able to stay home. We, we've talked about this several times, how this is going to revolutionize the workplace, uh, not only for workers, but also for businesses. Why rent out the, the big office space in, say, downtown Manhattan when you can have a much smaller space and, and let people stay home? But now uh, take it in a different direction. Once that happens, and, and you can utilize New York as an example, or you can utilize Indianapolis as an example, or Houston, or, or, or Seattle, or Portland, Oregon uh, as an example. What happens to that downtown that has all of these businesses that created themselves to handle that business traffic? I am not making the argument that people have to go back to an office. I am simply saying that when we talk about fallout, it's a rethink. We have done, we have really, I think, been on the forefront of one big subject, which is how restaurants are going to redo, specifically in that quick serve way, to not even really have seats, get people in, get people out, get them their food gone, goodbye. And talking about how that has built. Well, if you now have an office building, right, that's 20 uh, stories, you don't need that. So now does it change how office buildings are built? Do we change what landscapes look like? You know, you know yep. the, 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 the landscape. What, what did they call that? The shot of the city, right? They, they got the that cityscape. big shot. Is it the cityscape? Sure. sure. And, uh, and, 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 how, <laughs> and how it looks. But now all those businesses, do they now move into the suburbs? Do they figure out how they become just a delivery-only business? Not for the temporary, but for forever or... Do those businesses simply go by the wayside? Because when there is nobody to support that need, that need is unnecessary. Well, I think that's where it is right there. And what I, I fear is that there are too many people out there who are just saying to themselves, well, it'll all come back. When, uh, listen, I'm from Michigan, and there are several cities that had decent downtowns. But once the, the auto industry in Michigan took a huge downturn, the downtowns died in places like Flint and Detroit for other reasons. Uh, and they haven't recovered, Tony, in 50 years. People just don't move right back in right away. If there isn't an economic reason for businesses to come back to that area, they're not just going to just show up and, and open up shop again. And that takes us to a site called About Manchester, which is out of the U.K., it was a very interesting headline. Cooking is the new commute. And it goes to the idea that people have found relaxation in separating their work at home from their home life. 
by cooking and using that as the break. So instead of having to drive all the way home and put together a quick meal, they now have the time to cook and they walk into the kitchen and they sit with the family and they cook together and they go about creating these meals. 69% of people who shop for food online plan to keep doing so. And the amount of people who are going to be cooking at home as opposed to going out, a number that we discuss or a concept we discuss is growing. So now you, you this compounds the first part of the story. People don't want to necessarily go back to the office and now they have found an enjoyment in their house. I got to assume if you're in the kitchen renovation business, life is good, right? Life is amazing. And here's the other thing to consider, Tony, is because people aren't making this long commute back home, how will it impact what you buy at the grocery store? Will you see products like Hamburger Helper, something that you can whip up in 10 minutes because, oh my goodness, I had such a long day at work and then the long commute, I, I just don't feel like cooking a big meal. And now you have this paradigm shift. Blue Apron. What about all of those businesses that were built on sending you the prepackaged meal and you just cook it and you don't have to do any cutting or any measuring? It was all built on that. I think Blue Apron was one of them. All those kinds of services. What do they do now? Yeah, because now you're looking at it as though this is part of a bonding experience with your significant other or your, your, your family to where it's almost like a nightly event where you're going to sit around the kitchen and make it a, an experience. Maybe open a bottle of wine and enjoy it while you're cooking a, a meal that would take you a lot longer than the old, oh, I just got to throw something 45 together. minutes instead of four or five minutes. Yes. Is really, I think, the way people are going to think of it. Understand that I'm not upset with this. I embrace this. But Americans, got, they, they got to understand that things are changing. And they have to go about changing with them. That that whole restaurant world we were talking about and the restaurants that are closing, there's a really cool story, speaking of, of New York in this case, where Morgan Stanley is putting $2 million towards food street food vendors. Oh, wow. Street, you know, you know what I'm talking the dirty water hot dog, yes. right? The pretzel, yeah. the, 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 the gyro, the I'm not sure if it's meat, but I'll try it and it's delicious <laughs> anyway. Street food vendors contribute annually $293 million to the New York City economy. Wow. I never thought it was that big. I really didn't think it was that large, but that's a huge number. Morgan Stanley's like, here, we want to help, and there are other groups that, 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 that are donating. That whole world of a guy who has a cart, and he's paying the storage fees, and he's paying the permit, and then this and that, that is gone. That's gone if you don't have people in that city moving around and just grabbing something on the go. And, I mean, it's sad because it was a part of my growing up in, in, in a right. way, right? These things do change. We used to have horse and buggies before we had cars, <laughs> right? So there, there are people who recognize that there are these issues trying to help. But, man, sometimes there are these seismic shifts in life. The 5,000-year leap, right? The idea of, of how quickly we've grown as a society. Um, once electricity came, well, a lot changed. That's for sure. This is one of those moments, and people better figure out how to capitalize. Yeah, and it's that's a great story that someone is stepping up to try to help these people because, unfortunately, you mentioned it in the last segment where it feels like so much of the news that we talk about on this show is coronavirus-related. Well, you can't ignore <laughs> what's going on right now. You have to cover it, and everything seems so negative and 
and especially around the holiday season with people losing jobs and, and to, to see something like that where Morgan Stanley stepping up and saying, okay, we need to help these people. At least make it feel a little bit good about a story. I think that part of, uh, of what we do, you know, the, part of the eat part of eat, drink, smoke is not just the food reviews. It's not. It's not all Wendy's people. Uh, <laughs> it's about what's going on in that industry and what is it that they're really dealing with. I want people to have the proper picture. And through it all, we're seeing innovation and we're seeing creation. And some of the things we do are lambasting politicos who don't want you to be able to deliver alcohol. Right. Well, of course you should be able to deliver alcohol. Don't be ridiculous. So exposing this stuff and, hey, here's where the trends are going. Here's where the numbers are. Uh, to me, it's fascinating and, and, and it's interesting. And it pairs best with bourbon and cigars. And we're drinking the Evan Williams. This right here is the Single Barrel Vintage. Give it a shot. Don't be afraid of the name. Don't think, oh, that's not for me. $27 a bottle. It was a very, very simple bourbon. Might be right for you. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. I love when I run into a cigar I've not only never had before, but I have never seen before. And then to learn that cigar comes from the same place as some of your favorite cigars from Crowned Heads makes me overjoyed. And then to learn that it comes from the same place where Luciano himself does the Mildias, I got excited. It is Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, and smoke the fine cigars. I'm Tony Katz. That's America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. And if you didn't understand anything I said, let me rephrase. I love the people who make this cigar, and I'm thrilled to be smoking it. This is the Pichardo, or it could be the Picardo. I don't actually know how it's pronounced. P-I-C-H-A-R-D-O. But it comes from, and again, I still don't know how it's pronounced, Tabacalera, Pichardo, and Nicaragua. It's the factory that's been making cigars for everybody you buy cigars from for forever. And that's what Luciano was doing. We're talking about a group called Ace Prime and, 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 and how they have been making cigars. And then he came out with the Dreamer and the, I think he's got the Traveler and then the Mil Dias, the Thousand Days, a cigar that Fingers Malloy loves. It's probably in his top three yes. uh, cigars of all time. The Pachardo comes in a series of, of styles. This one here is a Mexican San Andres wrapper with Nicaraguan Habano and uh, and uh, in the binder and the filler. And uh, the, the filler uh, is Esteli and Jalapa. This is the kind of cigar I love because, first, the size. It's a 6 by 52 6 refers to 6 inches long. Tee-hee. That always makes him laugh. And 52 is the ring gauge, how thick it is around. Tee-hee. Again, with the laughter. So a 64 ring gauge is a full 1 inch around. So a 52 for me, perfect in the hand perfect in the mouth. It feels good in both places. This also has just a touch of heft to it, not too light, but feel that wrapper. First of all, it is a wonderfully rich, deeper milk chocolate. It is oily, and you feel that, Fingers? Yes. That's a little bit of grit. Mm-hmm. I love that. I don't like an overly smooth wrapper. I want to feel a little bit of it. I want to know that it's got a story uh, to tell in, in its own way. We've just lit this cigar already. I mean, the, the things that I love about uh, the, the Mexican uh, San Andres wrapper, the things that I love um, uh, about Nicaragua. Some people argue it gets a lot of pepper. That's never been my experience. 
it's about creams. In this case, it's about cocos. This thing is screaming for a cup of coffee, daring you not to get a, a cup of coffee. Those first hits brought me um, a, a bit of heavy cream. They brought me that bit of cocoa. There is this this touch of of almost dark fruit that's happening. I I am two puffs in because I can't stop talking. <laughs> Super excited. Well, take a few more puffs, Tony. Uh, for me, uh, I am getting... Oh, that's the flavor. That's. It, would you call it flavor country? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, the creaminess comes out uh, right away for me. There is a little bit of pepper, but not a whole hell of a lot. Kind of the earthy notes that we've talked about previously. Uh, man, there's... Great smoke coming off of this, Tony. One thing that happened to me, and this is not really a fault of, of uh, the folks at Crown Heads, uh, and I, but I wanted to ask you about this. I, this isn't the first cigar I've seen that has either a ribbon or uh, a wrapper at the foot of the cigar. Right, for, for look, really, more it, than anything. And so it, it isn't to pr- protect the foot in any way. It's just I have show. never seen it that way. When you see like a little band at the foot of the cigar, if you don't take it off, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> it's, it, that's more for show. It's I've always felt it that way. Yeah, so Why? I, when, I, when I took the, the band off the foot, I did crack the wrapper a little bit. But uh, that was probably just my fat fingers and, and maybe the fact that I still had some of the grease from the Wendy's triple burger on, <laughs> on my hand. Uh, but it's well constructed. And I'm telling you, the, it's such a pleasant smoke coming off of this. Super pleasant and super pleasant at $11 a stick. Oh, get out of here. This is what I'm talking about. It, it, if you were to go through your regular humidor, your local tobacconist, you've got your brands, and you fall into the ruts of brands, and you don't branch out. I do this for a living, guys. <laughs> right? I'm seriously considering getting certified, becoming a further expert in this field. Although I don't, I don't like to play the expertise card. I, I like to just try things and see. And see what's up. I think somebody who does this as a hobby can know more than somebody who claims to be an expert. But I saw it and I said, we haven't tried that. Let's try that. That's the beauty of cigars. And especially at a price point like this that works, $11. Now, as we're smoking a little bit, now I'm getting a bit of spice. Actually feeling it on the lips. That's pretty rare for me. Where where I'm getting it? Hold on, wait. Am I having a stroke of some kind? Oh no, no, no. Do you're, I smell you, toast? You're fine. I'm you're good. Fine. Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, there is now just getting a little bit into the first part of it. A lot of flavor that's starting to happen. When you are reviewing your own cigars, grab your notebook. Have a notebook. Spiral notebook. Super easy. What did you eat that day? For us, it was the Wendy's. It was the Wendy's triple pub uh, pretzel, pretzel burger. Burger. <laughs> Extravaganza. Uh, he ate the whole thing. I used a knife and fork. Don't you judge me at all. <laughs> right? But that will affect what it is that you had uh, to, to eat. Or what, what, how you taste the cigar, what you had to eat will affect it. I'm glad we did a very simple bourbon in the Evan Williams uh, vintage because it it's not in any way playing to to the cigar, right? Not I'm, I don't have those flavors kind of competing uh, with it. Then break the cigar down into thirds. First third, second third, final third, because the cigar flavors will change as you go through it. Uh, The blenders are are working at that, giving you experiences as you go through. Uh, This, so far, is absolutely, positively 
uh, in, in, in enjoyable. Now, I was reading a little bit about this, and the guys over at Stogie Press, uh, a, a, a good uh, review I thought was interesting that the um, Ace Prime is uh, Luciano along with Tiago Splitter and Dominique Wilkins. Wow. I didn't know. I, that's a fun story. Yeah. I did not know that. Um, one of the things that I enjoy in a cigar, first, I have to tell you, six inches where I'm at. I find that for how I like to smoke, the, the rate at which I smoke, I need a six inch or longer cigar to really get full enjoyment. Some of the fives, it's, it's, it's gone too quickly for me. And that's actually part of my own problem. I smoke too fast, right? I smoke a little too hot and I smoke a little too fast. And if you find you're smoking too hot and you're like, what does that mean? If a cigar has ever tasted like ammonia, it's ever gotten a real kind of peculiar bitterness. You could be too hot. Let the cigar rest a little bit. Let it cool down. You're smoking too fast. The draw might be too intense. Your, your draw might be too intense. Take a breath. Right now, there is cream. There is pepper that is hit. They're actually fighting each other a little bit as opposed to full complement of each other. Um, but I'm super excited to see what this uh, has in store. This is the Pichardo, or is it Picardo? P-I-C-H-A-R-D-O. This is the Reserva Familiar San Andres Toro. You got to check this out for yourself. And again, I love the people who make these cigars. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So when buying a cigar lighter, what are you looking for? It's a question we get asked a lot here. Eat, drink, smoke. Tony Katz, America's favorite amateur drinker. Fingers Malloy. And it's a question about what to spend as opposed to what makes a cigar lighter. And I think that's a legitimate question, right? What is the money that you're putting in? We talked about cutters uh, last week, and we put a list of cutters that were reviewed on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash eat, drink, smoke. And we're doing the same with lighters. Give you a little bit of an idea of maybe what to do for the holidays, but really start getting into the conversation of what makes a lighter. The biggest problem, as I have seen at Fingers, and I saw you immediately pull out the one you picked up for two bucks. Because the biggest problem people have with spending money on lighters is the fact that they'll lose it. Yeah. That it might just get left somewhere, and then they spent 100 or $200 on a lighter, and they're like, I can't, or $50 on a lighter, I'm gonna leave it somewhere, it drives me crazy. How do I do the inexpensive stuff? And, and you carry with you in, in your bag, in your go bag or whatever you want to call the thing, right? And so that you can travel with on planes, you have got a Bic Torch lighter. It's actually from a company called Scripto. Oh, it is? Okay. Yes, but it looks so much like a Bic that you can get away with taking it on a plane with you because TSA... One of the rules about flying with a lighter is it can't be a torch lighter, right? You can you can use a soft flame lighter. You can take a soft flame lighter like a Bic on a plane, and, and TSA won't confiscate it as you're going through security. Well, Tony, we've talked about this previously on the show, and you may want to bring it up again, why people don't want to use a Bic 
to light their cigar. I mean, that's cigar. just about the flavor of, of, of a Bic Dep Butane, that, that flavor getting into your cigar. And that's why I avoid it. It also takes longer to light the cigar. The torch lighter that we're talking about here, that's where you click it and it just it shoots up like it's coming out of a, of a jet engine. And it's like 2,500 degrees. Right? I mean, it's very hot. Well, Burns this, better. The Scripto lighter I found at an end cap at Walmart for less than $2 if... I get through security, which I have on a, a few occasions now. That's great. I get to keep it. It's also, you noticed it. I didn't. It's refillable. Right. That's great, too. But if if they take it away from me, they take it away from me. It's not the end of the world. So there's also what you're going to be doing with it. Travel is one thing. I actually have a travel one, the one I'm, I'm holding in my hand, which is branded to a cigar called La Aurora, which actually does some very nice, easy-to-smoke uh, cigars for sure of that same level. Then I've got some lighters at home uh, from Lotus, for example, that did cost me the $40, $50. Then I've got some like easy jet lighters that I picked up for $7.99 that have worked fantastically for three years. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is what is it that you're looking to do? There's no such thing as the right lighter. There is a conversation about what your purpose is. If you want it for style and for affect, and for a bit of prestige, that's okay. You're going to buy it once. You're going to buy it right. But you're also going to have it for your home. It's the lighter you're going to put out on, on the deck. I took advantage of a sale happening at a local cigar lounge here in Indianapolis of La Gloria Cubana cigars, which makes the, the Series R and uh, Siri, Siri R and some other ones really good. And I bought enough because I bought a box uh, <laughs> where I got this La Gloria Cubana it's, it's a quad, so that's four torches, right? And it's the big cylinder. I oh, love wow. that thing. It is fun, but it never leaves exactly where it is. I don't travel with it or anything else. So there are those kinds of specialty lighters that you can look at and look for and say, you know what, this is an investment, but it's also a touch of an art piece, and I'm going to have it. I think that's fine. I oppose it in the idea of the cutter. I think a stationary cutter is a nonsense idea. I think the idea of a of a ornate lighter can be a lot of fun. Well, see, I disagree with you just because of where the location of the cutter or the lighter will be. I, I mentioned it last week where I've got my uh, whole cigar set up on a desk in my sunroom as I walk out to the patio to where I'll be smoking my cigar. It'll be no big deal to if I get a really nice desk cutter, for a cigar cutter to put on my desk. Not uh, something that would cut my desk. See, I, I understood yeah, what you, you meant there. Uh, so, but if I had that on my desk and just cut it and walk out the door, if it's something that really stands out, it, it looks nice. I would love to have something like that. Now, when we talk about purpose, you could say to me, "I just want to light the cigar." Okay. Some people buy lighters because they're going to hand them down to the next generation. And you can take a look at, at for example, St. Dupont lighters. You could be paying two thousand dollars for a lighter. It's ornate and whether how the, the craftsmanship or the materials, it's about whether or not that's for you. That is not for me. There's no way I'm handing down a lighter to my kids. So the question is, what is it that you're looking for? And I think the answer comes down to size, fit in the pocket, and the number of torches. A single, a dual, a, a, a quad. What is it that you're looking for? And you won't know that until you try that. 
And it's really, tr- it's really true. Everyone's got their own flavor profile on that one. For me, I love a Zippo. But, you know, to, to, to find a butane insert for a Zippo, they're starting to become more prevalent. I, I believe you have a Zippo I do. Now. I have a Zippo that has a torch insert. Oh, there's just the feel of a Zippo. It's it's classic. It's It just looks cool. Made in America. Love it. We actually are considering having Eat, Drink, Smoke Zippos made uh, to, to put out there to the world. Uh, it, it, it's a fun, but that's a single, right? So a single right. means it's just got one flame, one torch coming out. So you're spending a little more time with it, and you're toasting that foot, right? Moving the cigar around, getting some air going, getting some warmth going, and then hitting it. Now, what a single is, it's very good for touch-ups in specific places. Because if you've got a quad, you're touching up your face, right? right? That's the way it goes. It's very hard to think you can have something in the mouth, you want to touch it up. When it's a quad, it's a lot of heat that could be coming at you. So you might say to yourself, it might take a little longer to light it at first, but it's better down the road. Now the question is, you smoking inside or outside? Because if you have a place that has a lot of wind, you're going to want to have the quad or, or three uh, coming at you. One of the things on this list from CigarCigarInfo.com uh, um, was, the, it was like right up front, right? They have the Zycars. It was the Windblaze torch lighter. And it has, it has a curve, Right, it's angled, so it almost looks like a gun. Thirty-five bucks, uh, butane torch lighter, small, easy, but directing the flame, which is sometimes a little easier for people to manage and handle. Is thirty-five dollars a good price? I think thirty-five dollars is a fine price. I really think for a lighter, anywhere, if you're talking about something you'd like to have and wouldn't be ashamed to show. Anywhere between that 30 and 100 bucks, you should be able to find something that works for you. If you take a look at, at one of the, the, the Zycar lighters right here, this is the Trezo Triple Flame. Uh, that's $85. That's from Famous Smoke Shop, right? That's a great look style, classic style, squared off lighter. But it's a question of what you want. Until you can answer that question, there is no right lighter for you. And so you should go to your local tobacconist and talk to them. Ask the people what it is that they're using. Get the reviews from people you know. Make a call from there. You don't have to spend thousands. You might want to spend a couple bucks. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke. It is your cigar, bourbon, foodie, radio extravaganza. I'm Tony Katz. That's America's favorite amateur drinker. Fingers Malloy, and you can find uh, Fingers, uh, by the way, on, on the Facebooks. If you're looking on the Facebooks, facebook.com slash Fingers Malloy Radio. And if you want anything from Eat, Drink, Smoke, facebook.com slash Eat, Drink, Smoke. Some people have been asking about what's with the website. We got so into the radio show so quickly because you remember, or maybe you don't know, we were a podcast. We were podcasting and minding our own business and having fun. And then I got a phone call and I was like, hey, how would you like to be on the radio? <laughs> I said, that sounds cool. And now we're over 60 stations across the country. And it's because you're listening and you're supporting your local station and really can't thank you enough. So 2021 first quarter, we will have the whole new website that'll have lots of reviews and, and opportunities to engage. It's going to be a really fantastic resource for everybody. For Cigar, this is the Pichardo. Or is it the Picardo? I don't know. The Pichardo Reserva Familiar San Andres. And I am enjoying, at $11 a stick, 
6x52 uh, is this cigar. This wonderfully touch of grit, nice, oily uh, San Andres, Mexican San Andres wrapper. There is cream, there is cocoa, there is a real nice move of spice. Those flavors, first it was just the cream and the cocoa. Then the spice hit and they were competing. Now they've learned to love each other. And we've got a nice blended marriage going on. And boy, oh boy, I could really go for a cup of coffee right now because this would pair so well. Screaming for it, oh, right? It's, it's just fantastic. And you mentioned it before how it's just got a great feel in your hand. Um, you know, I'm almost, I'm into the second third. It's got a nice even burn. We we talked about it previously. It's got such a pleasant smoke coming off of this stick. And at eleven bucks, Tony, it actually has a rich smoke. You can almost give it a kind of a chew. Mm-hmm. And I, I that is something I actually look for. I love that. It is just beautiful plumes off. And yes, at eleven bucks, you could do so much with this. This could easily buy a box in the home humidor and good uh, to go. Uh, So far, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to getting into that second, third, and really seeing where that goes. Now, that reminds me, before we get to news of the week, I said I would give you my full thoughts on the Davidoff Year of the Ox. Oh, yes. Because we smoked that last week, and as I was smoking it, uh, it it is a, a lovely, lovely cigar, and Davidoff, brilliant with the construction. I said, this isn't playing the way others describe this thing playing what is it that i'm that i'm i'm getting here i bought another one for my humidor okay and over the holidays i actually did a little splurging and i did the 12 days of davidoff christmas right uh and and and, oh don't worry i'm gonna do the 12 days of rocky patel christmas (laughs) (laughs) i got plans right i've got well it's gonna be the eight days of rocky patel hanukkah the 12 days of davidoff christmas so is this a lot like my little going out and getting my bourbon gift set with the with the rocks glasses kind of because what happened was was that there was a deal right we we record very often at blend bar cigar in indianapolis and they're in pittsburgh they're in nashville they're in houston and they've been great to us well they're a davidoff lounge Mm -hmm. they had a deal you know we talk about the gift sets right you can buy the bottle of maker's mark it comes with the two rocks glasses and people are looking for a deal they had a deal that if you bought and for me this was an expensive buy $300 $300 worth of Davidoff cigars, you got a decanter and rocks glasses. And so now my rocks glasses are complete. Nice. I am done. I only needed two. I didn't get a full set of four because it's, it's me or it's, it's me and my wife. Really, you, when, when, when you come over, fingers. Uh, it, it, it almost has like a musical note kind of feel to it. The weight was just right, but it was etched enough so you felt it. It was this Rona glass from Slovakia. Uh, really just wonderful in the hand and not too big. It was not meant to be a double. This isn't a double rocks glass. Definitely a single. Not for use with a sphere, but I've gotten away from the sphere and the big rock in my drink and have really gone to the cube or to the chip. That's where I like to be, and this works perfectly. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, we could get to news of the week. News of the week, and I know we're going to, but I wanted to ask you this because the news is depressing, uh, Tony. But <laughs> you talk about all these cigars uh, that you, you purchased. How big is your home humidor? It holds 100. So wow. my humidor is from, I believe, I bought it years ago. I think, look it up. Look, we, we, we did not plan. We should no. have done rehearsal. Right. Cuban crafters. Cuban crafters did my humidor. How are they not a sponsor of Eat, Drink, Smoke? Right. Savage. Um, I love it. I really enjoy it. If I was going to change humidors, 
It would be only for affect. It would be for look. Because this is more of that traditional kind of cherry uh, kind of uh, of look. And I would like something that's more in the browns or more in, in the blacks. Is that it? Right? right? That's it. That's where I got it. Cubancrafters.com is where I bought my humidor. It, it could vary. It's, it's not that one right there that you're pointing at. Um, I think it's, it's been fantastic. And we're going to do humidors next week. And we'll have a whole conversation. You know, we did we did cutters last week. We did lighters this week. We'll get into humidors. Um, I have fa- I have had that now for since I lived in Los Angeles. I've had that for a decade, maybe. Oh wow! I've had that humidor. It has done me just great. The seal has lasted. I've been very very pleased. Again. Humidor is one of those things that you have to ask yourself what your purpose is. Is it out in the open so you want it to be a bit of an art piece? Is it is it something that you need more than 100 on? They, I often see on Facebook. Oh, screw the news of the week. I, <laughs> I see on Facebook sometimes they've got these humidors that are wall humidors. And I'm like, yes, please. I want that. But for me, it's the price that I'm, I, I don't want to spend yeah, uh, I mean, that, that price. It's a beautiful cabinet humidor. Right there, but that's a full cabinet. I yeah. mean, a tall cabinet, and you gotta, you gotta want that. You gotta want. I don't want anything that big, right? The idea of a wall one, you turn it into an art piece, and I love that concept. But the cabinet's got to rest on something, and I don't want that in my life. But I see how that works for for other people, and it's so funny that it's it's not you know one of these uh, super fancy. Uh, uh, kinds kinds of humidors that you that you'll see in in many cigar lounges. Not that they're bad; they're very very good. Mine works for me brilliantly and holds brilliantly. And going from Los Angeles to Indianapolis and the change in weather—that's huge. It has still held. Very very excited about it. Well, and another question that pops up from time to time when you have a humidor like that where it holds a hundred sticks and you're you, you just you're smoking by yourself or maybe you'll have an occasional guest over to where you maybe not you won't need that much room but you have that much room how long can you keep a, a cigar in a humidor i have, have cigars it? in my humidor that i've had for two years wow absolutely positively now i think the proper question is why tony why haven't you smoked them I think that's a legitimate question. The answer is, I just haven't. But I have cigars I've had in my humidor for two years. Not a problem because I've smoked some of them as I've gone along. I have never, ever, ever had an issue. So anyway, the year of the ox, <laughs> I, I, I said, this isn't smoking the way I thought it would. And the question was, was it that cigar or was it me? So I got another one, and it's part of my 12 days of Christmas with Davidoff that I'm going to be uh, smoking, and I will then bring another review because I finished it, and I said, I don't know what I have here. And it was driving me driving me crazy. If you have smoked the Year of the Ox, let us know who you are. Reach out on, on, on Facebook uh, there, facebook.com slash eatdrinksmoke. Tell me what it is you experienced with it. That said, let's talk about News of the Week. I've got an uplifting story, Tony. I love an uplifting story. I mean, we've been talking about how the coronavirus has impacted businesses in, in a bad way. And this Toronto bar by the name of Swan Dive was struggling. And they put it out on Facebook that they were struggling. Their customers came in and bought their entire stock of craft beer, their entire beer stock. And it's going to keep them afloat now well into 2021 just from the kindness of their customer their customer base it is so clear and so obvious that people want to do good they want to be a part of the solution 
they want to help, but sometimes they don't know how to help, and sometimes people don't know how to ask. They're almost afraid to ask, or they're, they think it's somehow, maybe they think it's embarrassing. Don't be. Man, small business right now and supporting small business is everything. You know, we talked about supporting the sponsors of the station. So incredibly important. I think that's a cool story to know that you've got a fan base that, that, that's down for the cause with you, that wants to be a part of the solution, that wants to see you survive. That is absolutely everything. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Michael Jordan has a new golf course. He was Air Jordan. And he's brought Air Jordan to the links. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Fingers Malloy, along with Tony Katz. Now, Tony. Yes. You're not, you're not big on golfing. I have clubs. But you, you know, I think the last time we it talked about... It ends there. Yeah. We, we went, uh, I think it was like six months ago, you went to a golf course, and they were handing out shots of Fireball on the tee. And you right. Were, Wood, they had shots of Woodford Reserve and shots of Fireball together. So that, they called it a, well, it was a Firewood is what they called it. And I wept for America, is what I did. I'm so sorry about that. Well, Michael Jordan opened up a golf course. It's called the, the Grove 23. And uh, the 23, of course, was the number that he wore on the court while he By the way, up. he said that for me, questioning whether I knew even that much about the sports. And the answer is I knew that much about the sports. Thank you for no faith. I knew that you knew that, Tony. We just talked about the, the miniseries that they came out on Netflix. He'll, we watched that, you know, what was it? The, the Last, the last dance. dance. He was wearing 23 on The Last Dance. And 45. Oh, he, he should he, never have gone to 45. <laughs> so here's what's interesting about the new golf course, Tony. Say uh, you want to have yourself... Uh, an adult beverage, you want some food delivered to you on the course, you place your order, and they deliver it to you via drone. So you'll just set at the tee, and all of a sudden a drone will fly with a bag that you take off, and it flies away. Isn't there something about the whole, what they, they call them, cart girls? Like, I, I, I always thought that's like the, the, that is such a throwback kind of thing, but I thought that was kind of tradition in a way, and the cart that goes around, and you get the beer, and like, is it is it less personal with with a drone? Is it less fun that way? I mean, I, I guess I don't care, but I'm just curious. I don't want to have anything to do with the drone giving me a beer. No, you're exactly right. I want the cart girl, the beer girl, to to drive up. Always has a pleasant smile on her face as she's trying to sell you much more beer than you should be drinking on a golf course. And, oh, by the way, I have whiskey. Do you want to do a shot of whiskey while I'm here? You don't get that with a drone. Tony, where's the love from the drone that you would get from? If you're not getting an unnecessary upsell, how do you know you're golfing? Right? I'm I'm with you. I I think that, uh, look, I I don't golf because I, I can't. But there's something very personal about golfing there's something very personal about you got your foursome and you're with your friends and even if you're saying nothing and you're taking the game seriously there's still something about it that is very uh, to an extent comforting and and i think that the more you automate a sport like that the the less the less joy you get from that yeah i wonder too if some of this you you had to pre-plan this well ahead of time and for all I know there was probably something in the permit process when they were putting this together and you know, maybe insurance who knows when it comes to having drones flying around all over the golf course 
But in these times of trying to be socially distant, I wonder if oh, I'm going to be sick. The, the I'm wondering the if I if I've got my driver and I'm and I'm hitting from the tee and I hit the drone, is it still considered a hole in one? Oh, and see, that's another thing that I was going to bring up, and I'm glad that you mentioned it because I see this a lot at Top Golf. Have you been to Top Golf? There's one right here. I've only been once. I took my kids to Top Golf. We were there for 10 minutes, and they said, when do we leave? <laughs> and that's when I knew my kids were never going to golf. Well, you see that a lot at Top Golf and at driving ranges where people, especially if they've had a few from uh, the drone bartender, uh, you know, they'll, they'll try <laughs> to hit the target. So you got the poor guy that's out there shagging balls at a, a driving range or at Top Golf. I've seen it more than once where someone will have a few too many and they'll try to purposely hit it over the net, which this Indianapolis location you're talking about is right off of a major highway. Yeah, I-69. it's a major nine. So imagine driving down the road and a golf ball goes through your windshield at 70 miles an hour. Top Golf had to figure that out, right? They they must have said, look. We don't. There's no way anybody's going to be able to. We've done the math. We've worked the physics. There's no way someone's going to be able to do such a thing, right? I got to assume they figured it out. I just think that golf is one of those things that's kind of familiar and 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 relaxing in that way. Now that doesn't mean there are plenty of guys who aren't golfing to get away from their wives, which makes me sad to no end. But I. I I don't need technology everywhere. Oh, I just don't need I'll it. I'll tell you, I, that does make me sad when people do do that. But the, there's the other side of it, too, where you've got the golf couple, and they can be pretty annoying, too. They, they wear matching clothes, and uh, the, 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 the wife or Is girl- that a thing? Oh, yeah. The wife or girlfriend will sit uh, in the, the cart and watch their, their man tee off. And then rather than having her go to the tee ahead of time and, and tee off from the ladies' tee, she waits for him to get in the cart and then they drive to the ladies tee and then she gets out of the cart and it makes it a whole production and I'm sitting there waiting for my drone to bring me my drink <laughs> thinking, let's speed it yeah, up. Yeah, but isn't that an etiquette thing? Like I learned the hard way for the one time that I golf um, that you don't walk on the green in, in where where the ball could be going, right? Yeah, you don't you, want to walk in someone's line. You That's it. You, you, you make yourself a nice long crescent or right there to get to where you need to go to get to the ball that I clearly did not get into the cup, right? <laughs> you, 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 learn, you learn the hard way for sure. Yeah, they call it playing ready golf. And that's... Is that what it's called? Yeah, where you go to your ball and you wait... And, and as soon as that person hits, you hit the ball. It's not, it's not uh, uh, well, you know, proper etiquette would be if you're away, you let that person hit. No, you get to your ball, you stand over it, you get ready to hit it, and you hit the ball to quicken the pace of play. You shouldn't be playing a six-hour round of golf. And uh, so that's what I see sometimes when the couples go out. And God bless you if you share that hobby that's wonderful. Just speed up the play a little bit. I know people who travel to all different kinds of golf courses. They love going to golf courses and playing in all different courses. It is a hobby, a passion, whatever you want to call it. I have a huge interest in checking out all the great golf clubhouses of America. Oh. Right? How many comfy chairs can I sit in while smoking a cigar? This is my interest. I would, I would love to do that 
with the show. If we could do the eat, drink, smoke golf outing, we would never actually golf. Well, speak for yourself. I would I, listen. There was a you time can golf with fingers. You could smoke with me. Yeah, there was a time before the kids came. I was going golfing twice a week, and I was I was a darn near a scratch golfer, and I love to golf. And you bring up a good point. I was up in Michigan. Um, towards the spring and we went to a golf course I had never been to before. It was called the uh, the Bay County Golf Club, I believe. And it was an old country club and it went public and the clubhouse was so beautiful and you could sit there and you could see the history of the, okay, this was a really nice right. country club and they turned it into a public golf course. There are so many stories like that around the country of these beautiful golf courses, these old golf courses. I was down in... Uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. I golfed at the oldest golf course in Mississippi. It was right off the golf. Not the best golf course in the world, but the the, the clubhouse was really nice, and the, the view was just absolutely beautiful. The eat, drink, smoke golf outing needs to happen. It I, I agree. Happen. We have to get people back together. That's a whole nother subject. The Evan Williams Vintage, $27 a bottle, is worth trying because it's $27. Do not let names that people tell you, oh, that's that's the rail or that's the well. Don't let that stop you from trying things and expanding your palate. It might not be for you, but it's absolutely worth trying. It was very, very simple, an easy note, more on the nose than there was on, on the palate. Left me with a little bit of spice and sweet, a little bit of cinnamon and sweet on, on the palate. But this cigar, uh, the Bachardo, or is it Picardo? Uh, this is the Reserva Familiar San Andres, 6x52. I am now into the second third. Uh, I've slowed down a little bit because I thought I was getting a little too hot with it. The construction is perfect. The feel in the hand is a 6x52 is perfect. I am enjoying it, and at $11 a stick, what is there not to enjoy? Talking about lighters, you can find that review and those stories on Facebook.com slash Eat, Drink, Smoke, and that's what this is. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. <laughs> 